When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Gratitude helps you refocus on what information gets through your filter. It helps you notice the two people that smiled at you instead of the 10 people that didn't, or the three green lights that you went through instead of the one red light that you hit. Hello, and welcome to the Not Perfect podcast with me, your host, Poppy Jamie, recovering perfectionist and founder of mental wellness app, Happy Not Perfect. This show is about hitting pause while we explore the mind, soul, science, real life experiences, and that confusing thing called happiness. Life throws curveballs, and I believe the greatest healing comes from honest conversation. I'll be interviewing thought leaders, change agents, scientists, and mystics for their insights and perspectives. I hope you'll join me on the journey. So on today's show, we have Alex Korb. He's a neuroscientist at UCLA, author of The Upward Spiral, Using Neuroscience to Reverse the Course of Depression, One Change at a Time, and one of the reasons I found it Happy Not Perfect. It was Alex's book that made me begin falling in love with the science behind happiness. Yes, I know, I'm a total geek and I love it. So, on to today's show. How do you define happiness? Oh, I define happiness in a very complex, long way, uh, mainly because uh, I think what a lot of people um, think they mean by the term happiness is misguided. Mm -hmm. uh, Because I think a lot of people, when they think of the word happiness, they're really just meaning positive emotions uh, and like doing whatever they want or whatever they feel like at the moment. And that's a important element of happiness sometimes, but it's not really what I think most people actually want. Uh, and, and that formulation of happiness, I actually call spring break happiness, <laughs> like the ability of like, yeah, you could just stay up as late as you want sleep how late you want do whatever you feel like at the time. If you don't feel like doing something, you don't have to, and you can just drink and whatever. And like the reason why spring break is so fun is because it's a break from your schoolwork or from your job if that was your whole life you would start to be like um okay but like what's you know what am i accomplishing Mm. what where's the meaning uh and value of what i'm doing here like yeah it's cool and fun to meet new people every night but like i kind of just want to hang out with my old friends Mm. and uh so happiness is really this dynamic process it's not really a state it's this dynamic process where all these different elements of um, positive emotions and meaningfulness and um, making progress towards valued goals all and our relationships like all have to be in balance 
You have done so much research into this. Um, not only are you, um, you do, do you teach at UCLA, but obviously for your incredible book. What have you found in the scientific research to be really impacting on happiness levels? Well, I think just the, uh, I think the most profound thing that I always come back to is really just the simplest thing which is that um, just by making small changes in your thoughts, actions, interactions, and environment, it's possible to change the activity and chemistry of key brain circuits that contribute to mood and motivation and resilience. So what do you mean by that? Well, right, and that's the, the more comp- that that's the simple answer, but the idea It's like, well, science has uncovered all these different ways to change the activity and chemistry of key brain circuits. And some of those are like really high tech. And that's what part of my my research career has been on. Like, oh, we're going to develop this new brain stimulation technique or we're going to develop this new drug. And like those are really important ways to modulate brain activity. But there's also a ton of like really simple ways uh, that they don't even really seem sciencey because they've been around for so long. Things like gratitude or exercise or deep breathing. And these are the kinds of things that, you know, they weren't developed in a lab. Yet in the last 10 or 15 years, through advances in neuroscience technologies, we can actually see the effects that they are having in the brain. And a lot of times these like, low-tech interventions can can target key brain circuits in even more nuanced and powerful ways than so-called high-tech interventions. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. So, for example, what happens in the brain? when we experience gratitude like why by employing a gratitude practice every day what are we changing in our brain well a ton i mean that's one of the great things about these like real world low-tech interventions is they often involve a ton of different brain systems and they can have widespread and myriad effects and uh, one of them is that um, practicing gratitude uh, particularly as part of your bedtime routine, can actually help improve the quality of your sleep. And uh, by making sleep more restorative, like you don't need to get more sleep, you're just 
gaining more from the sleep that you're getting. The biggest challenges that the brain faces is sorting out, sorting through all of the irrelevant information that's coming into your senses. Like if you just think about it, you know, all of your senses are bombarded with millions of bits of information like every second. And, you know, there's a cord over there and there's a light over here. And oh, maybe there's a little sound out there. And like my foot is kind of hurting. And like most of this, in order to get through our day, we just have to like ignore. Well, how do we know what is relevant? Mm. Uh, and part of that is just based on, well, you know, how your brain evolved and how you specifically learned what to pay attention to over the course of your life. And part of it is based on your mood and a lot of it you can't control what your brain automatically focuses on. But if you intentionally focus on the parts of reality that you appreciate, then uh, that can actually have uh, measurable effects on your brain. And the more that you practice it, uh, the more it can start to become a habit mm. so that you don't have to try so hard. Your brain will just sort of automatically start to pay more attention to those positive things because those positive things are are there you're just ignoring them we have a relationship with ourselves like the same way we have a relationship with other people and if your friend said hey i'm going to pick you up from the airport and then like they didn't do it and like the second time you would be like oh okay and then like the third time you're like oh i can't trust them anymore so mm -hmm. like you would listen to them and you'd be like okay thank that like but you wouldn't plan on it and that's the relationship that most of us have with ourselves because we tell ourselves all these things and we don't mean it. Like, I hate this job, I'm gonna quit. Or like, I'm gonna practice more gratitude or I'm gonna exercise more. And then like, we don't actually take action. And therefore, the our, our brains can be like, oh, okay, the, he doesn't really mean that. So I can just ignore that. So you could say, oh, I'm thinking about buying this car. And you're like, mm, whatever, like you've thought about a million cars. But like it's when you take the test drive, when you actually take a meaningful step towards that, then your brain is like, oh, okay, I guess he means it this time. Mm. And that's not going to solve everything, but it's going to be one small change that can help you further. And that's why That's why I call it the upward spiral, that you just... Um, make one small change it's not going to fix everything but it's going to make it a lot easier to take that next step and the next so many thoughts to say about this <laughs> one is I always I feel that there's one thing knowing there's another thing doing mm -hmm. that is such an important point I got from that which is it doesn't matter if you're like I know gratitude is good for me mm -hmm. if you don't do it right then you're the you're the person that never picks up the friend from the airport. Yeah, and you're right. doing that to yourself. And but that's and such a great the metaphor. same same thing about exercise, like physical activity. Like everyone's like, oh yeah, I know, I should <laughs> go to the gym five times a week and like whatever. And like, you know what's totally unhelpful? Mm. Your huge exercise, amazing plans that you never end up doing. <laughs> but like, so you know what is super helpful? Like going for a two minute walk. Right. in the morning because like you do it like the small tiny amount of exercise that you actually do is infinitely more beneficial to you than these huge plans that you don't do anything about so stop trying to like convince yourself to want to exercise like just put on your shoes and walk outside and then make the decision yeah, there. yeah. or like 
drive to the gym. <laughs> you don't have to exercise at all, but like make that decision when you're on the treadmill. And so if you, you could just make it a simple exercise of, okay, three times a week, I'm just going to drive to the gym. I don't have to exercise at all. That's uh, and it, that's like just changing the context often gets you over your own BS yeah. that you're saying to yourself. So I read that we have an 80% negative bias. Mm -hmm. Is that true? And how does kind of gratitude affect that? Well, um, I think that, that's a um, that's a actually really complicated question to sort of quantify. Mm. Um, I talk about it in the book and someone um, else uh, like tweeted about like, oh, that's part of that's been debunked or whatever. And like, do we need this positivity ratio and whatever? And I think it's it's generally based on the idea like we as people are actually generally very positive and optimistic um the problem with that is when you are optimistic and things don't turn out what the way that you wanted then they affect you much more deeply than if you were pessimistic if I was thinking like, oh, this interview is going to go terribly, and then it just goes, okay, oh, I'm actually satisfied with that. Right. But if I'm like, oh, this is going to be awesome, and it's just like pretty good, then I'm slightly disappointed. Mm. Um, and this is actually one of the reasons why a lot of people in, with depression are, are pessimistic. It's actually sort of like a defense mechanism. Yeah. Uh, so it's actually helpful for them from we think it's helpful they think it's helpful well it, it is actually helpful for them to um so that they don't experience more crushing disappointment mm. it just is also getting in the way of going forward and that that's like most of our quote-unquote bad habits are actually helpful in some short-term way but they get in the way of some long-term benefit and we have to sort of untangle that um so uh what what gratitude does is it causes us to just reframe our focus and and pay attention to the parts of reality that are um, are most positive and supportive of us because like you can't control what your brain automatically pays attention to like it's just you know oh, something didn't work out as well as you would have hoped like um that particularly if you're uh, someone who pays a lot of attention to detail and you're really driven and success oriented, like, well, that can cause a big emotional um, uh, stress on you. That's why, I mean, this is sort of like a, <laughs> another topic or related topic of we have to I identify which of our qualities we appreciate and mm. what they give to us. And that's a, a notion of gratitude directed at yourself of like, well, which qualities do I most appreciate about myself? And you can appreciate qualities about yourself even if sometimes they get in the way because you could see, oh, it has it benefits me in this area and it's getting in the way of that area. Just because it gets in the way in this area doesn't mean I can't appreciate it for what it's doing for me uh, in this other area of my life. Just like um, if someone offers me a glass of water and there's only a tiny sip in it, I can... I can be grateful that they offered me this at least a little sip of water. Just the fact that it isn't all of the water that I needed <laughs> is 
that's that might be true but that's not relevant uh necessarily i mean our brain might make it relevant because you're like oh this guy's so he's a jerk he's only giving me this tiny bit of water and it's like well is that helpful is that a helpful thought that's going to get me through my day or is it um better to like oh actually notice the parts of reality that are more supportive mm. of me like well I'm, I'm so glad i have this little sip of water and the thing about the things that happen to us well like there are many parts of them that are positive or negative and the more that we focus on the things that are out of our control that are negative consequences like the more out of control and worse we feel gratitude helps you refocus on what information gets through your filter it helps you notice the two people that smiled at you instead of the 10 people that didn't or the three green lights that you went through instead of the one red light that you hit it's so incredible to me how much of incredible science is backing up something that appears so simple Mm -hmm. what other tips and tools do you share with people in your coaching practice and in your book um, that is actually able to help us live happier lives um well there's a there's a ton um some of the the most important ones are just sort of like general practices that you should be you know doing to help yourself like having enough quality sleep and getting enough physical activity uh just because like when our bodies are healthy and rested like it makes it much easier for your brain to be happy um the there are uh social strategies recognizing like well am i um by myself too much like uh should i be around people more am i or am i around people too much and i'm feeling like i need to be by myself uh like humans are social beings and how we connect and communicate with each other um has such a profound impact on our well-being Mm -hmm. and sometimes we just don't recognize how much we like need to be around other people and how to be close and how our own behaviors or thoughts might be getting in the way of our closeness um and there's other um other practices like gratitude uh just paying attention to the parts of reality that uh, you appreciate and that's um i do want to clarify that when i say like practicing gratitude is helpful i don't mean that you should feel grateful like it's great if you feel grateful but you can't control how you feel and one of the reasons why people don't practice gratitude quote unquote is like well what's the point like i'm just not going to change how i feel or like they try it and like it didn't change how i feel immediately so i stopped doing it uh but that's like thinking like you know exercise well, it didn't make me feel good right away, so I stopped. <laughs> like, yeah, you're probably going to feel crappier. Right. <laughs> I mean, you might feel crappier uh, the first few times, the first few weeks, but, like, we know from research that, like, if this is a habit that you practice, you will start to feel better over time. So, uh, and in fact, some people, when they practice gratitude and they don't automatically feel grateful, they judge themselves and criticize themselves 
as being ungrateful. Mm. And so a lot of these things interact and it's like, okay, practice gratitude, but then also, you know, go a little bit easier on yourself, like practice a little bit of self-compassion so that you're not getting in your own way. From a scientific perspective, what does self-compassion mean? Um, well, uh, yeah, it's another complex question. Uh, one of the, um, bits of research that relates to that, that I thought found was really interesting is that they asked people to think about, um, things that they, um, they blamed themselves for, were guilty about. And when I first read this study, I was really confused because it said that, um, similar to like pride and things we're, we're proud of, um, it activated the reward circuitry in the brain. And I was like, why does blaming yourself activate reward circuitry? And the answer I came up with is like, well, because your emotional circuitry in the brain, the limbic system really doesn't like feeling out of control. And so if you can try to gain control some semblance of control over a situation like okay that feels better than being out of control and by blaming yourself and criticizing yourself oh it's so stupid that wouldn't have happened if i wasn't so dumb like you you sort of rest some semblance of control over a situation but the problem is that most of the things that we quote unquote blame ourselves for uh, or no, 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 quote unquote, that, that we blame ourselves for, <laughs> um, like aren't really under our control. Mm. And that's, that's actually harder to sort of just uh, be okay with because it means, oh, bad things might happen in the future and I can't fully control them or I might make mistakes and I don't have full control over that. And that creates some anxiety. And it, it can be the sort of self-reinforcing pattern of like, well, something bad happens. Ooh, oh, I feel bad and I blame myself and I feel bad and then I blame myself. But like that constant self-criticism makes it more likely that you'll feel bad. But like <laughs> the habit circuit in your brain is like, oh, but that's okay. I have a solution for that. I'll just blame myself for oh, feeling bad and see God. I'm such a lame loser person that mm. I feel. And then you feel like, and that's why we get stuck in these patterns that mm. um, because like the the reward circuitry and that the habit circuitry and the emotion circuitry, they're all like tightly coupled. Yeah. And our, our habits sort of exist to help keep our regulation, our emotions regulated and in check. Uh, the problem is that they don't really need your conscious control or your any input from you to sort of just go on living your life on autopilot. And so you start to feel these feelings and then you feel compelled to take certain actions like the oldest, you know, ha- your most ingrained habits or like whatever is going to solve the situation the quickest. And then that takes over and you just do that. And there's nothing wrong with that except if over time you're like, wait, but you, you know, your prefrontal cortex comes in and is like, wait, but uh, I, I actually want to do this other important thing or like that's taking me in direction I don't want to go. Uh, and in those situations, we would call those bad habits because the way that you've learned to automatically deal with those emotions aren't 
actually helpful in the long term. They're only helpful in the short term. And so like all habits, by the way, are helpful in some way in the short term. So the golden question mm-hmm. to ask a neuroscientist mm-hmm. is, has science shown that we really can change these ingrained habits? Oh, yes, definitely. Uh, <laughs> Yay! There is hope, <laughs> everyone. Show. Okay, take the mics off. Uh, <laughs> the, um, yes, it's, uh, um, it's definitely possible. Uh, and the sooner you start, the earlier it is. Uh, part of the reason that we end up um, feeling stuck is that, you know, through our whole childhood and adolescence, we've been, like, practicing certain habits uh, maybe because they were shown to us by our parents or they helped us get through the certain stress of childhood and they were really helpful, you know, for some part of our life. And so we keep doing them just because that's what the habit part of the brain wants to do. It wants to do whatever we've done the most before. And it then, loves to repeat. Right, exactly. And then your life circumstances change and this tool, which was really helpful at one point, is like now no longer helpful. Mm. Uh and so um, if, if you can change it early, great. Like, because the brain is more plastic. It can be reshaped earlier. Uh, but, but everybody has a plastic brain. Like, yes. our brain is always... Right, and like, changeable. if you... But I'm saying, like, if you learn a habit, you know, when it's easier to learn it when you're five or six yeah. or eight or 12 or whatever. But guess what? Like, are you 25? Are you 38? Are you 47? Like, okay, well now <laughs> is better than two years from now uh, and I, I think a lot of people said oh, I can't you know it would have been so much easier if I had started to change this you know five years ago and like well you can't change it five years ago and in fact your habit of focusing on like things that you can't do yeah is itself a habit that you can start yeah. to change. change right now right well that habit of self-criticism is something that you also could start to change right now and um i think one of the the biggest things though about um changing habits that people don't understand is it's not just about willpower uh like if i have a you know drinking problem i think that's one of the sort of easiest examples to use like you can't just tell yourself don't drink don't drink don't drink because as soon as you are distracted or as soon as you're like stressed out and your prefrontal cortex is you know um overwhelmed by other things well then your emotional circuitry and habit system are just going to take over and like you're not even be aware that you're reaching for a drink uh and uh so like don't try to solve all your problems through willpower people always tell me like oh i just need more willpower more like yes more willpower can help and like you know gratitude can help improve your willpower and exercise and sleep can improve your willpower uh but don't try and think that it's just a matter of improving your willpower like all habits are triggered by something so like remove the trigger from your life if you can or like you know if you have a problem with drinking like well don't have alcohol in your house like or so actually that's interesting because i think what you're kind of asking people to do is almost step one is generate way more awareness than we probably have been educated mm, or, or to right. do yeah and that's actually in the in the upward spiral when i was writing it my editor 
made a comment like the first several chapters like you know just seem to be about explaining what's happening in the brain like tell people what to do tell them what to do and i was like couldn't it took me a while to um be able to articulate this but i realized like oh well that's because like the first most important step is like awareness and understanding mm. and hopefully some acceptance for yourself mm. um the and by the way like i don't mean to be you know make the alcoholism seem like this easy thing because in fact many of the um, the biggest triggers to our actions is stress itself yeah so like anything that you can do to reduce stress will make it easier for your prefrontal cortex to exert control over these habit areas um but then there's also often like specific you know cues in our life that like oh make us start craving something for example i remember the first time like i was living with a girlfriend and we went shopping uh i was just like going up and down every aisle with the shopping cart and we got to this one aisle and she's like oh don't go down there like that's just cookies and i was like what and she was like well i mean we don't need to buy cookies and if you know we just go down that aisle then probably buy some cookies <laughs> because like it's so much easier to avoid temptation than it is to resist temptation That's really interesting. like if you were sitting at home and you're like oh i i really want a cookie but there are no cookies in your house like well then that thought will just yeah it'll feel, feel uncomfortable for a moment and then it'll just go away uh and you probably wouldn't have even have cookies in your house except you were walking through the supermarket and you saw cookies. You're like, oh, maybe cookies. And then like triggers a desire uh, yeah. for cookies. And then once it's sort of triggered and you're already on that path, it becomes much harder to avoid. One and thing you said that really resonated um, just then is the, this this idea of that stress really reduces your ability to make good decisions. So mm -hmm. as a consequence, if you're committed to creating happy habits in your life mm -hmm. um, and committed to really consciously being aware of when self-blame comes in and these other control mechanisms, mm -hmm. um, you've got to be well slept. You've got to be in your most less stressed state if possible. Well, so that's one of the, that is both true and not true in that uh, it's really helpful to have a good night's sleep and it's really helpful to you know have practiced your breathing and it's really helpful to, to do all these things um but at some level it's just your ability to tolerate negative emotions and that's where mindfulness comes in mm. which is simply the recognition that your feelings are just feelings like you don't have to do anything about them because of the close relationship between our limbic system and our habit system, like we have a feeling and then we automatically feel compelled to do like whatever our deepest, most ingrained action is. Like you criticize me and I just want to yell and scream because that's like what, you know, I learned from my parents and like that's what has helped me feel gain control of the situation or whatever. And like, yes, it's easier to not scream and yell if. I've been practicing gratitude or if I have a good night's sleep or whatever. But like at some level, I have to realize that like, well, actions are not the same thing as feelings. And so I can make it easier 
to to make positive choices. Um, but this is, I think, sometimes where people go wrong in trying to, you know, make themselves happy. They think, well, I just need to eliminate all stress from my life. Um, and that's not possible. Mm. So sure, you might as well eliminate it, but you also need to improve your ability to just like be resilient in the face of stress. So what's your scientific advice to how you can manage stress better? Well, I think there's uh, there's sort of three paths that are really important. Uh, the first one is ways to reduce stress and like increase positive emotions like just you know doing fun stuff with friends and just exercise to help reduce your stress and um, gratitude and um, uh, getting a good night's sleep and those are all like that's I think unfortunately what most people only focus on it is an important part of it but it's not the only answer uh, another component is thinking about what's important to you what is worth struggling for because a, a lot of people they um you know they're trying to avoid all their negative emotions and then they but like you can't avoid all negative emotions uh particularly uh if you're trying to accomplish important things mm. like you're gonna feel some stress there's a chance that like you might fail or whatever like mm -hmm. and so if you're trying to avoid all negative emotions and you're probably not working hard towards things that are important to you. Uh, and so uh, we end up not obtaining anything of value and that gets in the way of our happiness. Mm -hmm. So instead of trying to think about how can I make this easier, ask yourself, well, why, what, what am I willing to endure difficulty and struggle for that I'm gonna do it because it's important and meaningful to me, even though I will experience some negative emotions along the way. Uh, and then the, the third part is just mindfulness, which is simply the ability to be with yourself and not think that every emotion is something that has to be solved or fixed. And the sort of taking those three different paths the, the increasing positive emotions and relaxation and um, thinking about what's important and just being I, I think that the best path forward is sort of you iterate between them mm. because I, you can't know what's going to solve it and relying on any one of them too much is often going to create problems so the mindfulness just being does that is that essentially, if you look at the brain chemistry, is that almost training your amygdala, your emotional center, to be less reactive? Uh, it's retraining whatever habit, bad habits you have, um, because um, you're you like the the way your bad habits are are triggered is you start to feel some emotion. And then your bat, your habits are like, oh, I know how to deal with that. Like, I'm going to smoke or I'm going to, you know, go for a run. I'm going to do that, whatever. Like, it's all habits. Uh, but if, but just following your habits, you feel stuck mm. somehow. You're like, oh, but this isn't, this is getting in the way of something else that's important. Um, then 
you sort of have a problem but the problem is like you're gonna have to experience those emotions and not do that habit not do the habit that you feel compelled to do and in feeling the emotion and not doing the habit and then being okay <laughs> you start to retrain the connection between that feeling and that action right it's like if I am claustrophobic and I'm scared of elevators, well, the reason why that continues to be problematic is that every time I see the elevator, I get this pit in my stomach and I think oh, I'm going to die. So I take the stairs and I take the stairs and I don't die. So that habit gets rewarded and that reinforces my fear of elevators. That the next time in that situation, I'm like, oh, I'm going to feel even worse about the thought of getting on the elevator because I was... I didn't die the last time I took the stairs and that habits over time. The only way to unlearn that is to get on the elevator and get to where I'm going and I also don't die. Yeah. <laughs> and you can't necessarily do and that all in one. you've got to show your brain through action exactly. a different response. Yeah, and that's called, like when it comes to phobias, it's called exposure therapy. Yeah. And so I might, might start with imagining I'm on an elevator and then I might just you know, get on an elevator for five seconds and I might take it one floor and like I slowly start to learn like, oh, my brain learned this connection that it's something to fear, but it's only because I have avoided it. Yeah. Uh, I actually like to think of it, um, imagine if you had a dog and every time the dog barked, you gave it a treat. Well, it would start to bark a lot more. And that's what we're doing when we have these emotions and then we like do something, we're like rewarding ourselves for avoiding that emotion. And so it doesn't make those emotions go away. If anything, well, those emotions are gonna pop up more. Cause like, oh, hey, last time you felt really frustrated, we got ice cream. So like, I'm really frustrated, <laughs> let's have some more ice cream. And if you just learn to sit and deal with your frustration, uh, you're still gonna want ice cream, but like wanting ice cream and eating ice cream are two separate things. Alex, you just have the most amazing uh, insight and understanding into all of this. So you're such a great person to interview. So we're gonna finish with what I like to call the quick round. Uh -huh. So I will begin a sentence and invite you to finish it. Oh, okay. Okay. I relax by? Taking a deep breath. The person I love most in the world is? Oh, my wife. The last dream I had was? It was like playing a bunch of video games and I was trying to decide which video game console to buy. And my dad was like, well, just pick one. And I I don't know where that came from. <laughs> if I could do it all again, I would. Uh, be a little bit um, easier on myself. The book I recommend the most is? There's two books that I find myself recommending the most. Uh, one is called Difficult Conversations which just um, is helpful in dealing with people mm. uh, in like all relationships. And then if you're a parent, I recommend actually my mom's book uh, called um, The Reflective Parent, which is, I guess, basically a lot of the same ideas of becoming aware of your own emotions and understanding that other people have different perspectives. Uh, and uh, those are the they're basically similar ideas, but those are the two books I find I, I recommend for, for most people. 
When I'm feeling insecure, I... Oh, when I'm feeling insecure, I um, probably just go on the internet uh, too much. Uh, but I try to... Um, eventually, I'll remember, okay, just take a deep breath and uh, do one thing that is helpful. If you really knew me, you would know. Uh, I guess if you really knew me, you'd know how much I doubt and question myself. Uh, I would say that because I think I'm, I'm blessed with sounding very confident, which is a really helpful quality yeah. uh, when you're coaching people or trying to inspire people. Uh, but it can sometimes get in the way because people don't realize, oh, that you have you know insecurities or you doubt yourself as well. Um, You're a human so, too. Right, exactly. Like, yes, I I should follow more of these things, yeah. including not telling myself what I should do because, you know, <laughs> I wrote two books uh, about them. And so when I forget to do them, I'm angry at myself because I'm like, are you kidding me? You wrote two <laughs> books about them. And I'm like, okay. But I, I do think because I've been thinking about them and, and trying to practice them a lot uh, for the last, uh, I mean, before I wrote the books, uh, I'm I'm starting to get better and catch myself just a little bit quicker before I go down a downward spiral. Amazing. Thank you so much, Alex, for your time. This has been amazing. How can we all find you, Instagram or website? Uh, my website is alexcorbphd.com. Uh, I have a, a Twitter handle of prefrontal blog. Um, the, uh, I just got on Instagram the 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 upward spiral approach um the uh but i'm much more active on twitter and you can always just i think my website is probably the best place to find more about me perfect thank you so much alex uh we will be back here hopefully soon for another amazing science filled episode so thank you for your time we adore you your book is incredible thank thank you you my scientific inspiration yeah thank you so much you're welcome That's it for today. Thank you for listening. Of course, it would be amazing and very appreciated if you wouldn't mind hitting subscribe and sharing this podcast. You can find me at Poppy Jamie on Instagram. DM me questions or any guest suggestions. I'd love to hear from you. And also, if you have a moment, download Happy Not Perfect. It's my mindfulness app that helps you manage stress, anxiety, sleep, and ultimately makes you feel happier every single day in less than five minutes. See you next time. Sending you lots of love and energy. Till then. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.